Hello, and thanks for joining us today on the Education Doctor Radio Program. The Education Doctor Radio Show is your family resource for educational excellence. Our program is brought to you by Compass Education Strategies. I'm Dr. Pamela Ellis, Principal Consultant at Compass, where our mantra is Access, Thrive, Graduate. You can learn more about our firm at CompassEducationStrategies.com. Thanks to all of my listeners who are joining today. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to our program. If you're listening to the podcast of this program, I also want to thank you for joining in. For future show updates and ongoing relevant education news, please like my page on Facebook at The Education Doctor, and you can also find me on Twitter at The Education Doc. We've got a great program lined up for you today. We're talking about a topic that's both old and new. Now, what's old about it is that there are some long-held views about what it is, and what's new about it is that the last several years has seen some of those old views being dispelled, and we're talking about this topic in new ways. Now, enough of the suspense. We're going to talk about boarding schools today, what they are and what they're not. I've already received a number of emails from families who are interested in this topic, but I want to make sure that if there are any listeners who would like to call in, that I give you the dial-in number. It's 714-333-3356. And I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you what I always say in every show, and that is that our switchboard is located in sunny Southern California, but I'm broadcasting live from Dayton, Ohio, which is pretty cool when you think about it because I love both of those places. So also, if there are any listeners who have attended a boarding school, please call in and tell us why you attended boarding school and what your experience meant to you. We'd love to have you join in the conversation. I have a terrific guest who's joining me today, Mr. Pete Upham. He's the Executive Director of TABS, which stands for the Association of Boarding Schools. Their website is simply boardingschools.com, and TABS is the hub resource that connects over 300 boarding schools and the students and families who are interested in pursuing this as an option. Now, I think TABS is awesome. When I applied to boarding school many years ago, my family wouldn't have known of such an association. And frankly, I think that because boarding schools were such a, an unknown concept uh, where I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, even though I had been accepted to a rather prestigious New England school, there was no way that I would have been allowed to go. And I didn't go. Uh, so families today now have a really great resource for learning more about what schools have to offer, and that's what Pete is going to talk with us about today. So, Pete, are you there? Still on the I'm phone here. With you? I'm All here, right. and thank, 
Thank you, Dr. Pamela, for the opportunity to, to chat with you today. It's, uh, I'm excited, and I'm, I'm here in sunny Asheville, North Carolina, so we've got a, nearly a multinational uh, operation here for this little interview. <laughs> yes, huh? we really do. We really do. And it's actually sunny in Dayton today as well, so that's a good thing. <laughs> so, well, again, yeah. thank you for the, for the opportunity, and I look forward to our conversation. Okay, great. So, Pete, why don't you get us started by telling us more about TABS and how TABS supports families. Sure. We, um, we, uh, we have a number of resources for families, Dr. Pamela. We, as you mentioned, our website, just to talk a little more about that, there's uh, uh, an opportunity for families to search for schools by select criteria. So if they're looking for small schools or large schools or schools with specific programs, the website enables them um, to, to search and prepare a list. Uh, we also continue to support an application that many of our schools accept so that families, mm -hmm. if they do choose to apply, might fill out one form instead of uh, 30. And, um, and then there's just general information about boarding school. As you mentioned, for many families, it's a foreign concept. Uh, I, I attended boarding school, and I was the first in my family to ever go away to school. It was a foreign concept for me and for my parents years ago. And uh, I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact that for many families, they've never considered it. They don't have any personal experience, and it's a, a bit of a daunting concept. So we present a lot of information on the website about the boarding school experience, what it's like, and what some of the advantages and benefits are. Mm -hmm. Now, how does TAB also work with the boarding schools? Well, we, we also have another side to our shop, essentially, which is helping mm -hmm. schools uh, get even better. We're proud of the quality that our schools uh, have today and historically have had, but we help um, we help the professionals who work there um, develop their skills. So we run conferences mm -hmm. and training programs for people that teach and lead um, our 300 schools and um, mm -hmm. support them in, in their work uh, directly. Mm -hmm. Now, Pete, one of the things you mentioned is that you also um, had gone to boarding school, and so if you don't mind my getting a little personal, just sure. kind of talking with you about that experience. And so if you can you know, share with our listeners where you're from and like which community and then where you went to school and kind of what, why you decided to go and what that experience was for you. Sure. Well, I grew up in a in a small town in upstate New York, and um, I was from a large family. I was actually the second of uh, seven children, um, uh, and I'd seen my older sister go off to the local high school, and and just seeing her experience, I knew that I wanted something more than that, and that uh, the local high school wasn't going to serve my needs very well. So I actually initiated the search. I don't think my parents knew anything about it at first. I, I got a guidebook. Uh, there wasn't a website in those days and started yeah. pouring through it to find out, um, you know, what, what other choices might be out there. And eventually, you know, uh, kind of brought my parents along. And um, uh, the one rule they had was I couldn't be too far away from home. So I looked at, I looked at six or eight schools within a couple hundred miles of where we lived, and I wound up uh, ultimately attending Hotchkiss School, which is in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. uh, it was only about an hour from, from my parents' home, so I, I still saw them on a regular basis. Uh, but as I said, it was, um, it was a brand-new adventure for me and for my parents. Uh, I should also add, Dr. Pamela, that 
my family was was very middle class. There's no way I could have gone to one of these schools without a significant amount of financial help. And indeed, I was lucky enough to to receive financial aid, uh, and, and that enabled me to attend. And um, and so I always tell families, yes, the sticker price at these schools can be a little scary. And uh, and at the same time, I always say never never uh, you know never be deterred from considering and applying because of the price tag, because so many of our schools, even more so today than, than years ago when I attended school, have you know significant commitments to financial aid and to merit scholarships now as well. So, uh, you know, in my day, maybe 10% of the students received some level of help. Today, that number's more, more like 30% on average, and we have some schools where more than 50% of the students are receiving financial aid or scholarship money to help help their parents afford the experience. Oh, really? Now, that's interesting and not a number I would have expected to hear. That's pretty significant if there are that many students who are receiving aid because I think it says something about the diversity, particularly economic diversity, of students um, that would be Absolutely. attending boarding school. Absolutely. Um, you that's said a couple of things, Pete, earlier, though, that I wanted to go back to. And one of them is, you know, you mentioned that you're from upstate New York and you went to a school that was uh, about an hour away. And I know for, you know, some of my families who are located in other parts of the country, one of the things they often think is that all the boarding schools are located in New England. And that could be further from the truth because there are, some great boarding schools that are in California and Arizona, I mean, all over the country. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, just if you could, you know, say a little bit more in terms of just kind of building on some of the diversity that's sure. in the schools that you work with through TAB. Sure. Well, TAB's, uh, TABS as you mentioned, has almost 300 schools, um, and almost all of those are in in North America. Um, but uh, while there are a lot of schools in New England, I don't I don't want to put that myth to rest entirely. Um, uh-huh. Probably a third a third of our schools are in New England. That means two thirds are not, and and they're throughout the the U.S. and Canada. We have we have schools uh, in in the South, in the Midwest, in the West. Um, we have about thirty member schools in Canada uh, as well. So. Uh, wherever you live, uh, virtually wherever you live in the United States or Canada, there's a good boarding school within a couple of hours of, of where you're sitting right now, um, and certainly uh, in some cases uh, more than one. Uh, so as you mentioned, I think we have about 20 Canadian, uh, California schools uh, and, and about 40 if you look at the western states taken as a whole. So, um, so we've got we've got schools all over the country. Uh, we we publish. Obviously, you can find this information on our website, but we also publish a print magazine and directory that includes a fold-out map of the U.S. and Canada with with all of the schools' locations. So, if you uh, you can get a copy of that for free on our website, and and we'll send it out to you, and and you can look at a map and put it on your wall and see where see where all the schools are. Ooh, I have to warn uh my listeners that that uh catalog is so beautiful <laughs> that directory and oh, once you. the kid gets their hands on that they're going to want to go to boarding school <laughs> it is really very well very well laid out 
Um, one of the things that you also we talked about just a little bit without going into any detail is the application process. Right. And when you use the term sticker shock, you know, for paying for boarding school, that's a term I often use as well with colleges. And the other similarity, you know, aside from just the financial similarity in boarding school and college, the application process for boarding school really feels a lot like the application process for college. And how do how do parents, you know, help their child in preparing for that? And what what should students, you know, want to know in terms of getting ready for that entire application process? Because it can feel a bit daunting. There's a lot um, to it. I I I. I... I hear that, and, and there's no question at some level it is a bit of a chore to apply to one of our schools, mm-hmm. um, but only because our schools are small communities and they really care about the whole child, so they really want to know as much as they can about the child and the family. Um, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't make sense for our schools to just have a one-page form where people put their name and address and that that's that. Um, yeah. <laughs> each each student that comes into the school shapes the school, and the school wants to make sure that the community is one where 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 the students and families and and the values of the community sort of all fit together. But um, mm-hmm. you know, a typical application process at a boarding school includes uh, a transcript with the student's grades, um, a couple of teacher recommendations, uh, and and obviously biographical information as well. And many schools, if not most, uh, require an interview. Um, and uh, and again, that's because of the the important nature of the decision for both the school and for the family. Um, the, the school wants to meet the child and the parents, and and the parents certainly and the student are going to want to visit campus and and get a feel for what it's like. Um, so those are some of the standard dimensions, uh, as well as some sort of testing, and that varies a little bit from school to school. Um, but it, it's a daunting process in the sense that there there's some paperwork to do, but I, I really encourage families to use it as an opportunity to explore and get to know their options um, right. and, and not to overthink it or over-prepare for it. Um, most wow. of our schools are not looking for perfect kids. They're looking for great kids with a lot of promise and a lot of enthusiasm. So, so some parents, frankly, spend a little too much time worrying about how their child will score on the tests or, or providing perhaps a little too much help on an essay that the, uh, the school might require, when really what the school wants and the admission people at these schools want is to get to know the kids. They, they, they're, not, uh, they're not measuring them as finely sometimes as the parents might think. They certainly, some of our schools certainly have selective admissions, but, but they're looking at, at trying to get a sense of the, of the whole student, the whole person, the whole situation, and making um, a good judgment about whether there's a good fit there between the school and the, and the student. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. You know, the other thing that has come up for me personally and I think come up for some of my parents who are listening is that, you know, I have children of, grade school age. My kids are 8th grade, 7th grade, and 3rd grade. And when I think about just the stresses of being a teenager and not being able to help my sons or daughter during that time, it makes me a bit nervous about (laughs) sending them away. 
And how do you respond to that concern that other parents, you know, who are listening may also harbor that they just don't want to not be there for their child? Sure. Well, and and let me start off by saying boarding school is not right for everyone, and and I don't think any school or school type is right for every family. Uh, uh-huh. But I think that 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 concern. <clears throat> um, let let me turn it around a little bit, Dr. Pamela. What what is it that all parents hope for their kids? Um, I think they all hope that they're, and I and I speak as a parent of four myself now. Um, I hope mm-hmm. for my children that they grow up to be mature, independent, high-functioning adults. And I think right. what we see in our society many times, frankly, is that parents, um, uh, uh, you know, particularly when the kids get to the high school and college years, um, remain remain involved in a way that's not always healthy, um, that doesn't always help achieve that objective. Uh, I, I had a mentor once who said the greatest gift you can give your child is independence. And and uh, one can take that too far, but I think there's a lot of truth in it. Um, and I had another mentor say to me, you know, if it's the right fit, and that's a big if, but if it's the right fit between a student and a school, that a student's relationship with his or her parents can actually be improved by attending boarding school. Um, because the, the child is, is developing the skills and habits that they're going to need in life to be responsible citizens, to be great students, and that enables them to interact with their own parents as well as the rest of the world, you know, more effectively. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you if you look at the way adolescents develop, generally speaking, by the time they're in high school, even if they adore their parents and have a wonderful relationship with them, they're beginning to look naturally for other role models, for other adults that they can connect with, that they can emulate, that they can get to know. And there's no better place to do that than boarding school because the whole environment is set up really to to cultivate mentor relationships between teachers and students. So just at the point that kids need something the most. They need other mentors. They need other examples. They need to see how other adults navigate the world and solve problems. Um, uh, Boarding school provides that rich opportunity that, frankly, I don't think any other school type can provide in quite the same way. So when you say, you know, how can – how can parents part with their kids at this most formative of years? I would say these are the most formative of years, absolutely, and it's precisely for that reason that parents should ask the question, what's what's going to help my child be formed best? What's going to be best for my child at this point in their lives? Um, and not for all, but for some, uh, the answer is boarding school. And I, I speak uh, not only as a professional, but from my own personal experience. Um, I had a good relationship with my parents before I went to boarding school. I had an even better relationship when I finished, and I was much better prepared not only for college academics, but for life because of my experience in a way that, that wouldn't have happened had I stayed home and attended the local school. I'm quite confident. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay, great. So I am going to take a quick break right here, and then because we've got a number of email questions that have come in, and I want to make sure we have time to get to that. But certainly if there is any of my listeners who would like to call in, I want to make sure you have the number, which is 714-3356, if you'd like to ask a question. And certainly if you are someone who has attended boarding school, it would be great to hear from you as well to join the conversation. 
So let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. This is the Education Doctor Radio Show brought to you by Compass Education Strategies. We are back now to continue our conversation on boarding schools with Pete Upham of the Association of Boarding Schools. I also want to mention that TABS is a wonderful partner of the Independent Educational Consultant Association, of which I'm a proud member. So, Pete, thank you. Oh, our pleasure. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to come back with uh, an email question that I have that came in uh, during the week that I think will be good. This is from Suzanne of suburban Philadelphia. She says, I still think there is a mystique out there that boarding schools are only for clicky, preppy, wealthy, or troubled kids. There are too many kids coasting through high school with C averages and A potential who could be well served by the boarding community, which too often is preaching to the choir. Also, scholarship options are not widely understood. Um, thoughts on yeah. that? Well, there's, there's no question that that, that mystique or, or misconception um, continues to exist. It's one of the things that we struggle with and and work to educate people about. Um, uh, one thing just in terms of the, the, the population at these schools, I mentioned the number that receive financial aid. One thing that might surprise a lot of your listeners is that the typical boarding school is actually more racially and ethnically diverse than the typical public school. Um, why is that? It's because most public schools are based in neighborhoods, and in today's world in the United States, most neighborhoods are pretty segregated by wealth and yeah. race and and other other factors. So um, the the, pub, the typical public school is either largely white or largely black, largely affluent or largely poor. And right. in in a boarding school, the schools very deliberately work to have diverse communities. They recruit students from around the country and really around the world now. So at your typical uh, boarding school, uh, about a quarter of the students are U.S. students of color in a U.S. school. Um, about a quarter of the students are international, meaning they hail from you know countries outside the U.S. Uh, about a third of the students receive financial aid. So a, a remarkably diverse um, population that I think is part of education. Part of education is being exposed to new people, new ideas, new ways of doing things, and learning to navigate this world. Um, there aren't many jobs, there aren't many lives today where where you don't have to have to know something about how the rest of the world does things. And and right. working and living in a small environment where you have to navigate everything from you know how how you manage getting along with your roommate. To the to the kid down the hall uh, who might be from Tanzania or from California or from Ohio, that's a critical life skill. Um, so I don't think our schools are as clicky as they're perceived to be by any means. I think they're quite the opposite, in fact. Um, and then in terms of, um, I'm, I'm sorry, the second the second comment was about um, the availability of scholarship. Yeah, just that they're not understood. And yeah. she didn't elaborate on that, but. Go ahead. Yeah, and I can just say that again. I think our schools uh, have more have have done more for 
to, to offer need-based financial aid than ever before. And more and more schools are also now offer merit scholarships. So, so uh, a lot of, you know, the, the need-based aid is distributed based on a family's demonstrated need, and that's part of the application process. They, they have to, a family that's interested in that would have to submit certain paperwork. Actually, it's all done electronically now, of course. Um, they'd have to submit certain information on, online about, about themselves in order for the school to estimate how much the family could reasonably be expected to pay toward the tuition. And then if the child's admitted um, on, on, you know, through the application process, and they also qualify for some aid, meaning the family can't contribute the full amount of the tuition, I know most of our schools work very hard to, to try to match that difference and to come up with, with support so that that student can be enrolled at the school. And more and more schools also have merit scholarships that are not awarded on the basis of need, obviously, but are awarded for academic achievement or special talent or promise. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, one thing we haven't touched on at all and um, that I have certainly noticed in several of my colleagues who have attended boarding school is just a strong network of relationships that they have that have endured throughout their professional career as well. And I think when you talk about all of the different people that you are studying with when you're in school for those years that um, they really develop some very strong bonds um, during that time. So that's something that I've noticed that has been a critical benefit um, to my colleagues. Uh, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. One other question uh, came in from Maria, who's also from upstate New York. She says, if a child has a mild learning disability or just not a strong student, what boarding schools are best suited to teach study skills and discipline? That's a that's a great question. Um, and l- mm-hmm. let me let me back up a little to help provide some context for that. We TABS represents 300 schools, and all of them are college prep. They're all based on mm-hmm. helping kids get ready for university or college life. Um, there there are not there are other boarding schools out there that don't belong to TABS that are really for for behavioral or therapeutic needs. So they're for kids that are in crisis and need mm-hmm. some 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 place to be to get through that mm-hmm. crisis. Um, and there are other other organizations out there that serve those schools and promote them. Um, we work with college prep schools, but even within that, there's a wide diversity. So we have schools. Um, that uh, you know that that are very competitive and selective, and we have schools that have much more uh, flexible admission pro- uh, policies. Um, but uh, but some of our schools are set up specifically for kids that have learning differences or disabilities, and their 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 whole curriculum, their whole approach, is helping students develop strategies for 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 overcoming or compensating for these um for these learning styles and and helping them be as effective as possible in the classroom. They're still college prep, they're still sending 100% or virtually 100% of their graduates to four-year colleges every year like all of right. our schools do, but they're but okay. they're helping kids get there by by learning how to handle their learning differences. Okay, great. 
I want to wrap it up right there, Pete. I want to thank you so much for joining me um, today on the Education Doctor Radio. We're just about out of time. You can find tabs at boardingschools.com. And so I want to thank you again for being here. We have some great shows coming up for you on the Education Doctor Radio, and we'll continue to bring you information that's both strategic and practical for educational success. Please like my page on Facebook, which is called The Education Doctor, to get show updates and relevant education news. You can also find me on Twitter at The Education Doctor. The Education Doctor Program is brought to you by Compass Education Strategies, and you can visit our website at compasseducationstrategies.com. So until then, access, thrive, graduate.